The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, you are absolutely in the right place. I promise you that. News flash: the buzz on the street is up close and personal. Well, wait a minute. Think big, work small. We're talking about business. Let me see if I can relate it for you. The flash actually is that business is becoming more personal. Aha. And that means you, you are global audience listening all over the world. What does it mean? Are we peeking into your private life? Well, in a way, we might be. And it's not me and my panelists. It's your prospects. So let me tell you what's going on. Rather than searching your company's home page, you know, people look you up and what's your logo and how many pages do you have on your website and do you have any links and blah, blah, blah. Uh-uh. Prospects today are searching for information about the leadership of your organization. Think real people. Think human beings. And maybe more important, they're looking up your sales team. With whom would they be speaking? Who's representing your company? Maybe who the founders are. Maybe who your marketing people are. Youth wants to know that old phrase. Your prospects want to know. Where are they looking? Everywhere. LinkedIn is a good candidate for where they're going to be searching and other popular social platforms. They may be looking you up on Twitter. Do you have a Twitter presence? Do you have an Instagram presence? What kind? Do you have a blog? Where are you? Do you exist digitally? So what does this mean to your company? Well, it means that You've been working hard. We know that. You've got a great website. You've got terrific SEO because you've been listening to the show. You're growing your company's brand. You've got an online presence. You're strong. You're savvy. Everything is good. Your website is loaded with easy-to-find relevant content. You have some good forms they might want to fill out to tell you who they are if they want to. Well, wait a minute. we got to tell you part of the breaking news is you need to make sure that the people who work for you also have a solid personal brand that makes a winning first impression. Because as I said before, when those search-savvy prospects are looking and they get hold of that list of the people in your company or they find a salesperson or they hear about somebody who works for you and they Google them, what are they going to find? Will it be favorable? Will that first impression be wonderful? And will they say, oh, Bob Smith works for XYZ Widget Company. I like Bob. I met him. Let's see what his LinkedIn profile looks like. Better make a great one. Or they might say, nah, not so much. So we have a panel of three experts who are going to help you figure this out. Let me just tell you who they are first, and then we will introduce them individually. First on the panel, I'll be speaking with Rob Levin, the CEO and editor-in-chief of content development firm RSL 
Media and I have a clue that RSL stands for Rob Something Levin, and we'll talk to him in a moment. Joining him on the panel is Tara Mead, M-E-A-D. She's a director of indirect channels at SAP Global Indirect Channels and SME and partner marketing at SAP. Welcoming Tara and Phil Lurie. Phil, just ha- Phil, you and I just keep meeting on these radio shows. I think you were on another one with me last week. Phil is VP of Sales Technology at SAP, and most important for this call, Phil heads social selling for SAP. Global Sales Organization. That's a serious job today. So let's talk to Rob Levin. Rob has sent me a quote from someone named Jack Daly. And Jack Daly calls himself, I'm not sure what he calls himself. He calls himself Iron Man Jack. I never heard of him and I looked him up. He is a professional sales coach, a speaker, and an expert in corporate culture. He inspires audiences in his own words to take action in customer loyalty and personal motivation. He started with Arthur Anderson, the CPA firm, back in the day about 30 years ago rose to the CEO level of national companies. He built six companies into national firms. He sold two to the Wall Street firms of Solomon Brothers and First Boston. Jack Daly knows his stuff. Here is the quote. Very simple. Six words. Listen up. Selling is the transfer of trust. Rob Levin, thanks for picking that quote and introducing me to Jack Daly. How are you, Rob? I'm doing terrific. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for asking. I'm very well. Thanks for the the uh, eye opener to Jack Daly. He's quite a guy. Interesting. He was also a captain in the U.S. Army. I don't know if you knew that. And he I led did. one of his yeah. He led one of his companies uh, in the first eighteen months of a company to seven hundred fifty employees, twenty two nationwide offices, produced three hundred fifty million a month. It was a mortgage company and forty two million dollars in profits in the first three years. He's a he's a real mover and shaker. So. How do you know about Jack Daly? And tell me, what's so important about this quote? We're talking about putting the human in the human connection in social selling today. Rob? Well, uh, so how do I know Jack? I had seen him as a speaker a number of times and uh, was totally blown away by uh, his whole whole presentation, if you will. And by the way, I, I was begging him for years to come out with a book that really uh, was up to par as a speaking, and he did that a couple of years ago called Hyper Sales Growth. I just actually recommended it, uh, I think it was a day or two ago, to a company that I'm advising. Uh, I recommended that the entire management team read it. Anyway, so uh, I liked seeing Jack so, so much that back when I had my own media company here in New York, I actually hired him to speak to uh, New York area business owners, and uh, and we've been friends ever since. He's, he's just a fantastic guy. I, I could spend probably the rest of the hour talking about him. But his quote is, selling is the transfer of trust. And you really have to think about that for a second. What does that mean? And at the end of the day, particularly, uh, particularly in, a, in the B2B, you know, face-to-face world, uh, and of course we all know that a lot of that, that face-to-face only comes in uh, at the end. I guess we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, that... There, there are so many choices out there, and you're doing so much, particularly today, you're doing so much of that online that you, you need to build that level of trust, and that's, that's your online profiles on your website, on your, on your social channels, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, it could, because you know, your, your competitors these days are just a click away. People buy from people and companies that they like and trust. And uh, the beautiful thing about all this is in the digital spectrum, including social, of course, you have a really good opportunity to be, make yourself likable and to, build, and to build trust for both you and your business. 
Thank you very much, Rob. Good introduction to our topic. Do you think it's a surprise that people are looking for people, not that they want to connect, but that savvy, I call them uh, search savvy customers, prospects, curiosity seekers, potential buyers of whatever, B2B, B2C, that they're saying, yeah, I know they have a nice website, but I want to know who are the people behind the scenes? What did this founder do? And, and who's running the sales department? And what kind of marketing background does a marketing person have? Do you think it's a surprise that we're getting to that level of personal Personal connection, quote unquote, in the business world today. I don't. I don't. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, in fact, uh, if I'm looking at potential vendors, partners, whatever you want to call it, if I don't see that stuff on a website, uh, I get a little antsy myself. Why? Because I think in this day of everything being so available in the in the digital spectrum, you really have to avoid what I what I call and a lot of other people call FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And you do that by getting to know the people. Remember, it doesn't matter if you're B2B or B2C, you're, you're, it's P2P, it's people to people. And people want to know who they're dealing with. Wow, I like that. That's FUD, F-U-D, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Is that an original? Yeah. Is that a Rob Levin original? It is not. I bar- I'm borrowing it from somebody. I just don't remember who. That's okay. I'll find it for you. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting opening. And let's turn to our second panelist. She is Tara Mead, Director of Indirect Global Indirect Channels at SAP. And Tara has sent us a wonderful quote from Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss' original name was Theodore without the E on the end. Theodore Seuss Geisel, an American writer and illustrator best known as the author of popular children's books under the pen name Dr. Seuss. He wrote some of the most popular children's books of all time, over 600 million copies translated into more than 20 languages by the time he passed away in 1991. And here's a little shout out. Anybody looking for something to celebrate on March 2nd each year? That's March number two. It's Dr. Seuss's birthday, and it's been adopted as the national date for National Read Across America Day, an initiative created by the National Education Association. If anybody's not familiar with him, let me just drop a couple of names here. His first book was And to Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street in 1937. Interestingly enough, he worked during World War II as an animator for the U.S. Army and produced some award-winning short films. His other books include If I Ran the Zoo, Horton Hears a Who, If I Ran the Circus, The Cat in the Hat, that's my favorite, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and Green Eggs and Ham. And he had some TV specials created from his books. And here is the quote Tara has picked from the great lore of Dr. Seuss. Quote, Be who you are, and say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. Tara, this is beautiful. I want to crochet it on a cushion somewhere. How are you, Tara Mead? <laughs> I'm fine. I didn't actually realize that Dr. Zeus shares a birthday with my father, so it's an, another interesting thing for today. So, Wow, yes, a, happy birthday to your yeah, happy birthday with your dad. So tell me, how does that quote relate to our, our concept of putting the social and social media, putting personal into business? Talk to me. Well, basically, I, I, I really like this quote because what I really feel that it shows to um, the, the listener is to be genuine, to be genuine to yourself and to, be, to talk in, in, in simple terms and be true to what you believe. Um, I think one of the, the wonderful um, things about Dr. Zeus and the magic, and, uh, you know, it's no, it'll be no surprise that I have small children, and, you know, they learn to read using Dr. Zeus's books because he was very clever in the small lexicon of the words that he used that were able to share so much and be able to um, 
give children a very interesting place to go in their minds with very simple and clear language. So I, I think, you know, bringing that back to what we're chatting about today is that it's really about being genuine, that I think especially, you know, once you put something out into the digital, digital world, it's there forever, that you need to make sure that it's, it's what you believe in, what your company believes in, and something that um, is simple and for being able for people to understand. Thank you, Tara. And and this also sounds to me like a life lesson, and it may be something that's a really interesting message, IMH, on my humble opinion, from Dr. Seuss to anybody who wants to become something in their life and has naysayers. You know the old phrase, don't let the turkeys get you down. Well, I love the part because those who mind don't matter, those who, who block you. Those who criticize you don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. This is a lesson for children to say, go forth and be who you need to be and realize your authentic self. You agree? Absolutely. And also then for people that are maybe starting off in, you know, in social and digital uh, media, you know, that might be nervous about those first steps and, you know, that they will really, by, you know, trying and and really... um, being true to what they believe and being genuine, they will they will get there. And you know, if there are people that criticize what they say, they'll probably find out quite soon that they really don't matter. But it's the ones that support them will be the ones that will help them through their careers. Absolutely, and that all goes so also goes for businesses. They get nasty messages on social media, although you are supposed to mind them because you're supposed to fix it if it's true. But I digress. Thank you, Tara. And let's go to Phil Lurie is waiting patiently in the wings. He heads social selling for SAP's global sales organization. And Phil has selected a quote from Sun Tzu. He also spells it. That's T-Z-U. He also spells it Sun Z-Z-I, Chinese general, military strategist, and philosopher who lived in what they call the spring and autumn period of ancient China. He is credited with being the author of The Art of War, which influenced military strategy in Western and Eastern philosophy. But they also say on Wikipedia that his historic historicity, I'm not sure what that word means, is uncertain. Uh, just for those of you wondering why Sun Tzu, it's an honorific that means master son. He is revered, he is legendary, and is he is historic. So here is the quote Phil selected. To remain in ignorance of the enemy's condition simply because one grudges the outlay of a hundred ounces of silver is the height of inhumanity. Phil, that's such a beautiful quote. Tell me how it rep- applies. Well, first off, before I uh, answer, uh, thank you. Uh, but um, uh, I really enjoy Dr. Seuss, and I love uh, the Jack <laughs> Daly quote, so uh, I, I will allude to them. And I read Dr. Seuss to all my kids, and I agree with what you, you all said. Sun Tzu um, is, is the, one of the leaders in, in uh, all the books when I was learning to be a manager. It's, it's actually one of the guides, not just for warfare, but for uh, management and not necessarily uh, aggressive. Mm. Uh, but what it says is essentially, and it, it relates back to what uh, um, our, our other panels have said, you've got to be genuine, but also it means that our customers are going to be doing research about us and uh, we need to know about them as well. And before today, before you go out and buy an automobile, for example, you're going to do the research, and most people go, are going in and uh, checking out the prices and uh, features and such before they go into the showroom and are ready to negotiate. And we're finding that our customers are knowing more about us uh, and, and our products. And when they come in and they reach out to us and find us, 
they really want to get down to business and, and have us help them specify, help them uh, make the final decision. But uh, it's not, not the same sales that we used to have to do. And going back to uh, the idea of trust uh, in the Jack Daly quote that Rob brought up, uh, you've got to be a trusted advisor at that point. So your personal brand is critical to being, your, uh, being perceived and being found as that trusted advisor. Thank you, Phil. Really interesting comments, and, and I'm just going to add a sidebar here to what we were just talking about with Tara and kids and Dr. Seuss and these life lessons in Dr. Seuss's quotes. Phil, you just put it up and it put a neat red bow around it, uh, social presence, what you've got. We all know it doesn't go away or it doesn't go anywhere anyway anytime soon, and there are ads on our local here, uh, CBS Radio, 88 point something in New York, AM Radio, and on 1010 wins for companies that will erase whatever embarrasses you, whatever you don't want in your social presence, that <laughs> memory trail, those breadcrumbs that keep going, ouch, and biting you in the you-know-what as you're trying to move on in your life. So there's a lesson here for those of you who have children, have teenagers, have college kids, have people who were in graduate school and they're saying, oh, all right, I'm partying, I'm posting everything on Facebook. Kids, it's going to come back to bite you someday, probably, because people will find you. I was surprised the other day somebody uh, got my name and they were looking me up, a social connection, and they said, I'm watching, I do cable TV, I've been producing and hosting for about 20 years, and they were talking to me about a show I didn't even remember. I didn't even know it was on YouTube. I think a guest put the put the podcast on YouTube, and here's something from seven years ago is for all the world to see on YouTube, and I'm saying, what? I'm not on YouTube, and the answer is, yes, you are. So even we grown-ups have to go and follow the breadcrumbs, right, Rob Levin? True? Absolutely. Um, as a matter, I'm just glad that uh, this social media stuff wasn't around when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to turn this. Uh, Lorraine Maurice is the sponsor of this. Lorraine, I think we're going to turn this into a little True Confessions with Game Changers today. Rob, anything you want to tell us that we, we would have found if Facebook was alive in your era? Absolutely not. Ah, I didn't think so. Okay. Rob, you know what? I'm circling back to you because we're at that segment of the show where we are going to get up close and personal. Excuse the reuse of that. Well, I actually had a radio show once, a series on AM radio here in Long Island called Up Close and Personal, and it was fun. Anyway, uh, the bottom line is we're ready for our little segment called What's in Your Cup today. Rob Levin, I'd love to know where are you right now? What are you drinking if it's very interesting and inspires and energizes you? Or what would you like? to drink later on that would be fun. So, Rob Levin, let's get up close and personal with you for just a minute. This is so, uh, my, any of my friends listening will, will know that this is uh, maybe a little too predictable, but I think later on today, when I get back home after uh, a successful and productive day, including the show, of course, I will have a dram of Highland Park 18, which is a great <laughs> scotch whiskey. Uh, it's, it's, it's my favorite, and you're talking to somebody that probably has... Uh, 40 bottles at home at any given time. (laughs) Well, we are kind of the fourth wall of social media here, so you just put that out there. Highland Park 18-year-old whiskey. If you go to Master of Malt, M-A-L-T dot com, you'll get a rating here. Uh, Yes, it's from the Highland Park Distillery. It's a winner. Did you know this, Rob Levin? It's a winner of a gold medal in the 2005 San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Did you know that? I did not. I just know it's a winner. Uh, it's a winner in my house. 
<laughs> 40 bottles, okay. I'm not going to ask how often you reorder. It's none of our business. Way too up close and personal. Thank you. And where are you right now, Rob? I'm in Manhattan. Oh, okay. So you're sharing the same partly sunny, partly cloudy, what's it going to do tonight, rain or shine or storms or another tornado type of thing in New York, correct? That's it. Yeah, I'm on Long Island. I'm waving out the window to you. See the left hand waving and the curly red hair? That's me. Hello, Rob Levin. I'm back. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tara Mead, where are you today? And what are you drinking? Tell us something interesting about you. Absolutely. I'm in um, Oxford in England, so about um, an hour outside London. And I think I'm definitely going to have to um, buy a lottery ticket later because, Rob, Highland Park, 18 years, is my husband's favorite drink. And... um, being Irish, and he's very brave to like Scottish whiskey rather than Irish whiskey, but he, it's the only whiskey he will drink, so um, I'm sure he'd raise a glass to you. Um, so my, my, well, two favorite drinks, but um, the one that I'd like to share on the program today is um, I used to live in Sweden for a few years, and um, as people know, in the Northern Hemisphere, it gets very dark, and when it's very dark and you've got babies, it could be all a little bit, you need to kind of keep awake. So there was a great Swedish coffee called Zoiga, and um, two cups of that a day, and you're you're through till uh, 11 p.m. or whatever in the evening. So if you can get hold of it, I I sincerely think you should give it a try. Z O E G A Zoiga um, Swedish coffee. Z O E G A. I think I have it here. A cons- oh, blah, 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 blah. concise dictionary of old Icelandic. Is it Z O E G A? Is that what you said? Z, Z-O-E-G-A. I'm not finding it on, I'm not finding, oh, here we go. Z Post Order USA Importers of Zegas Gourmet Coffee. So it's Z-P-O-S-T-O-R-D-E-R-U-S-A. That's where you can find it. It's a Swedish coffee. Coffee is the national drink of Sweden, consuming more than 20 pounds of coffee per person per year. Swedes know great coffee and demand the best. Since 1886, four generations of, however you pronounce it, you do it better than I do, Tara, coffee makers (laughs) have been perfecting the art of coffee blending and roasting, making the name a hallmark. It's meticulously selected and blended and environmental environmentally friendly packaging. I just, I bet they add that. This is like uh, Phil and, and Rob and Tara, this is like looking up a person. This is looking up yeah. uh, the, the genesis of the coffee and looking up how they are environmentally friendly with their packaging. Am I right? This is kind of getting personal with the brand. Rob, you agree with that? I do. It reminds me of that uh, that movie with Jack Nicholson, As Good As It Gets, when they had the coffee that I think was made from, uh, <laughs> from what was it, from cat poo or something? <laughs> There's a whole story there. You want me to look that up, too? What was that? As good as it... Yes, yes, I've heard about coffee. Let's see quickly. I don't want to take too long to go away from Phil. Let's see. As good as it gets. Cafe, uh, blah, blah, blah. No, there's actually... What is the name of the coffee referenced in the movie, As Good As It Gets? Oh, Oh, my. that I don't remember. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm reading this. It was uh, digested coffee beans, which an animal eats and uh, sends out the other end. Yes, and that was the name of it. Let's see. It's Kopi Luwak, Luwak, K-O-P-I-L-U-W-A-K. It's a rare and gourmet coffee from Indonesia made from beans. Here we go. This is the polite way to say it, Rob. Beans pass through the digestive system of monkeys. Isn't that elegant? Isn't that just classic? Rob? <laughs> very, very, very elegant. <laughs> very elegant. And Phil Lurie, we got to get out of this one. We're getting in, into a, a deep uh, deep pit here. Phil Lurie, where are you today and what are you drinking? 
well, I'm on the other side of Manhattan from, uh, from you. Uh, I'm in northern New Jersey, so I'll wave. We have the same weather, Rob. <laughs> Pass my greetings along. And um, I, uh, I think my original choice of beverage was going to be my ice water turning into, into seltzer. Uh, but uh, with this scotch discussion, I've got to try a new scotch. Um, so my favorite scotch is uh, right now uh, of the blends. I like some of the single malts, but my favorite is uh, the Johnny Walker Blue Label, and I really mm. treat myself when I get that because it's a bit pricey. Bonnie, how does that yes. rate on that that score sheet that you were saying? Is that am I drinking the right stuff? <laughs> I'm not keep I'm not keeping score. I just think people are going to Phil. If anybody doesn't know what to get you at the holidays, they now know Phil likes Johnny Walker Blue. I'm looking at the prices. It starts at 179 and it pops all the way up to 215 a bottle. Same size, but is that about right? Yeah, yeah. So yep, uh, you can get it from WineDelight.com at 175 a bottle. Ships within 24 hours. They don't say if shipping is free. I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> I want to thank the three of you for getting, letting me get up close and personal with you. Uh, I, Phil knows me, and Rob and Tara don't yet. They don't allow me to have caffeinated beverages on live radio show days, and today is Thursday. It's a doubleheader. We had a live edition of Internet of Things with Game Changers at 10 a.m. Eastern, and now here it is a little after 2 p.m. I am in New York, and I'm drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw because I'm hoping the sky will brighten up again soon. That's all I will say. I'm going to give my panelists a break. I don't think they're going to go get the scotch, but I think they're going to go have something cool and refreshing. We're going to be gone for about 75 seconds. You can count them. We're going to do that here. We're speaking today with Rob Levin, Tara Mead, and Phil Lurie. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham and plan to be afterwards. Shout out to Lorraine Maurice at SAP, the sponsor of this series, and the series is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. We're focusing on startups. We're focusing on midsize. You want to call them SMBs, SMEs. We're talking to you all around the world. Our special topic today is the human connection, emphasizing the social and social media. That's exactly what we're going to do when we come back with the roundtable. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers explores the impact of changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think Big, Work Small, presented by SAP, every Thursday on the Business Channel. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. That's exactly what we're doing. We're thinking big and working small, efficiently, effectively, in the right way. We are talking today with Rob Levin, Tara Mead, and Phil Lurie, and our topic is a very important one, the human connection. In a digital world, where is it gone? It's right there. Find it. Emphasizing the social in social media. Rob Levin at, let me get this straight here, Rob is CEO and Editor-in-Chief of RSL Media, a content development firm. And Rob has sent me some interesting comments here to kick off our roundtable. Here's where we're going to start. Rob says, your digital footprint Site, social, and other is where consumers are going to validate you, among other things. This is an expansion of where we started in the beginning of the show. Rob, why don't you pull this apart and tell us how serious is this? Where do you need to be? And and uh, digital footprint, does everybody need one? Why don't you go with it? So think, think about this. Before the Internet, right, um, Anything you, almost everything you did was, was face-to-face. Maybe it was over the phone. B2B, B2C doesn't matter. You walk into a store. How did people greet you? How does the store look, et cetera? The, the same thing is now going online, right? I personally can't go, stand going into stores today. So if I'm buying things for, me, for myself personally, I, I really want to do it online. And, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, I end up doing a lot by Amazon, but in the B2B world, I'm not buying much from Amazon. I'm buying... Things. I'm looking for freelancers. I'm looking for all these things. How do you get a sense? How do you size somebody up like you would in a face-to-face environment? And you do that with, with looking at somebody's digital footprint. What's on their website? Is their site professional? Uh, what's on social? If they're, if they're in the B2B world, I expect to see that they have a bunch of connections on LinkedIn. And uh, since I have so many myself, I figure I'm hoping that they have their one connection away, and then I might even want to reach out to somebody who's a mutual connection. Do they have recommendations uh, on, their, on their LinkedIn profile? Um, these, are, these are things that you have to make sure are all buttoned up because people are checking you out. And it, only if you pass that test are you going to get the phone call. Very interesting. And you want that phone call, don't you? Even though we know today, Rob, that... Most of our, we, we understand from many of these shows and other series we have here on Game Changers that most of the buying journey happens online digitally before they, even if they ever talk to somebody at your company. So we're talking multi-channel selling and marketing, and you need to be everywhere they are. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, we just put a blog post up at, uh, at rslmedia.com, and you know it's written for our customers who are big companies selling to small businesses, but it applies to small businesses as well. That you know your your brand these days is actually a lot of uh, it's it, it's largely consisting of content because people are spending seventy five percent and certainly in the B two B world of the buyer's journey online before they're even contacting you and a lot of that is checking out your site including including your content and your social channels and all of that stuff that's your representation before you even know that they're interested in in speaking with you. Thank you very much. Let's turn to Tara Mead. Tara, interesting comments from Rob. Why don't you expand that and tell us what your thoughts are, please? Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree with everything Rob has said. And, you know, I think also it's about being consistent across that digital footprint that you have. So making sure that your LinkedIn profile and your your Twitter and all all matches up. Um, One of the, the... facts that I just was, was having a look at before we joined, went on the air today was that, you know, it's all about the trust in that digital footprint as well, that if you have buyers coming to, to look at you, making sure that your employees 
in your company um, are, are giving that right um, information because 70% trust more what an employee is going to say on the digital space than um, 15% that would trust from a brand or a company themselves. So it's, it's a major wake-up call to you know, all small companies to make sure that they have their employees trained sufficiently um, to make sure that the digital footprint that they have out there is the best foot forward for the individual as well as for the company. Very well put. Phil, before I bring you in, I just want to tell you all, I just Googled the following question. Should you require your employees to be on LinkedIn? Question mark. And I came up with one, two, well, I I can't even count them. Number one, why your brand should have LinkedIn guidelines for employees. Number two, dear employers, encourage your employees to be on LinkedIn. Number three, why, this is from Forbes, why every employee at your company should use LinkedIn. Number four, how employee profiles on LinkedIn can boost your something or other. Number five, 18 reasons why you need every employee to use LinkedIn. Number six, why should I thank my employees for doing their jobs? Okay. And why all of your employees should be on LinkedIn. Five tips for turning your employees into brand ambassadors. And here's one that's a little controversial on Quora. Is it illegal for a company to require employees to establish a LinkedIn profile? I don't know if anybody wants to touch that one. Phil, your next Next up in our, our roundtable rotation, where would you like to go with this as far as digital footprint and, and making sure your employees have a good one? Well, you raised some interesting points in your own comments there, so let me uh, sort, sort of touch sure. on all Thank of you. First of all, oh, always you do. Um, <laughs> first of all, uh, we spend a lot of time and attention with our own, uh, in our own organization, a big sales organization, in trying to build personal brand and, and training people to do that well. Uh, and by the way, it is illegal to force people to do that in certain parts of the world uh, where they have work council rules and things like that. So you cannot force people to do that. And you probably shouldn't do that. I think this has to be voluntary and pretty much to what Tara was saying, you've got to be yourself. And if people don't feel comfortable, uh, you've got to get them to be comfortable or they'll do a der- terrible job. So don't try to force people to do things they're not good at. Uh, if they're not, you know, try to coach them to be better. That's just a general good philosophy. But um, we are looking at the whole image of a company, the rising tide of all the people in the company getting better social imaging or social images or professional profiles. Uh, that improves the profile of the entire company. Um, and mm-hmm. the point that I was going to try to bring to your mind is when we look at it from the other side, when we're trying to teach our people to do research about prospective clients, we're spending a bit of time working on how do you read someone else's profile. Because if you start analyzing the profiles on LinkedIn that other people are producing, you start realizing where the deficiencies are and you improve your own. So that was one of the easiest ways of coaching people to improve is look what you see when you see other people's profiles. And among the things that are really important that we were talking about before, who you're connected to is one of the key things. And who you're following, who your uh, your mentors, the the influencers that you're following, and what groups you belong to. So those all bring together who your personal image is, not just what you say in your profile, which is your resume now changed to a professional profile. It's also all those other connections are really important, as well as your job history and how you've helped other people do things. 
So the mirror needs to be held up to everybody who has a social profile, as Rob said, a digital footprint, and you need to be aware of what you did, what you said, how it's represented, who's responding to it, what people in your industry have for their digital footprint, what your company requires, uh, what your industry requires, what perhaps some professional organizations you aspire to be a member in require so there's a lot of uh, a lot of time needs to be spent let's circle back to you rob levin before i move to a topic from tara mead's list what about the amount of time and do you agree that if it's not illegal in your country that you should require your employees and you should give them best practices guidelines for their social profiles uh so as far as requiring i mean i i hate you know because linkedin is in a way it's a personal thing i really don't like to require uh people to do things. I just had this conversation with a couple of members of my team regarding their, uh, their uh, Twitter handles, which I think they're going to address this month. You know, I, just kind of asking them, uh, you know, this would be really great if you can do this, and I explained why, and it made sense to them, and they agreed, and, and that was the way forward. Um, as far as um, guiding them, I, I always think it's a good idea. I, I, at big companies, I know uh, there's companies that we work with where they, they um, I think, strongly recommend like certain formats and things like that. Uh, so I, I think it's, if you can get your employees to do it, I think it's good for them and it's good for you as well. The big issue there is are they going to be talking about their accomplishments, which I would understand if they are, or are they going to really be talking about the company? And the truth is you can probably do both. Now, there might be some fine lines and shadings in there, very interesting, and I would suspect, and, and we all know, I believe from uh, our, our listeners listening to all of our Game Changers series, and we have 13 current series and 23 total, we talk about the number of demographic groups or cohorts, it's called. In the workplace, five groups are working side by side. There might be a sixth one inching into the workforce soon. I don't even know what letter of the alphabet they're going to be called or combination thereof, but people have different styles, don't they, Rob, in terms of newbie on LinkedIn, newbies on Facebook, people who are attentive, people who are uh, Twitter savvy, people who are struggling getting those 140 characters to say something cogent, coherent, and confident, and authentic. That's a tall order. So I think there are, are shadings in the workforce of how you can coach and best practice different parts of your workforce. I'm going to move on to Tara. And Tara, I'm looking at your notes here and let's see what we've got. Something interesting. I would like to go to, uh, we've already talked about first impressions of everything. Tara, let's talk about your employees being your small business brand advocates. And let's talk about whether this applies as much to big companies, Phil, and I both work for SAP. We know we have a huge workforce. So everything we say or do socially and all of our salespeople do reflects on the enterprise, the corporate brand, the corporate message. But with a small business, brand advocates, what if the small business is still honing its message, its brand, its reputation? How do you reconcile getting your employees to be part of that brand and be an advocate when you're still not sure what your brand is? Tara, any thoughts on that? Gosh, it's a very interesting question, um, Bonnie, and I think one that a lot of small companies are probably grappling with. And I think that's, you know, probably one of the benefits of being in a small company that they can that working with the employees they can they can build together that value proposition, the personas in which they want to, to, to work at, and then building and creating that content together with their employees as not only brand advocates but as their own personal advocates and, you know, testing that. One of the benefits, you know, that we find for, so, for um, you know, being in a digital space is that you can 
very quickly get feedback on, you know, what, what you actually put out there. Did it work? Did it not? Was your blog um, liked? Was it, was it responded to, etc.? So that, you know, you can, um, it's not a case of you're, you're putting your brand out there and, and it can't evolve over time. That with using your employees and having that, that uh, checks and balances back and forth and having them as part of your, um, your whole brand story that you can really then work together to actually make that something that resonates um, for you as a company that you're true and genuine to, to um, what you want, but also to the customers in which you serve. Thank you, Tara. Thoughtful response. I appreciate it. Sorry to spring that question on you, but it was dawning on me that the brand may not be set in stone, and you need to yeah. make sure you communicate. Hey, today we're a uh, an internet company. Tomorrow we're in the shoe business. On Saturday, next Saturday at five o'clock, we're going to become part of uh, consumer packaged goods because we're still trying to figure out what the marketplace wants us to be. So we all have to get on board and change our messaging on all of our social outlets. Okay, Phil Lurie. I hope I haven't confused anybody. Phil thought. What's on this, on guiding your employees to be brand advocates when your brand is a work in progress? Any thoughts on that? Sure. Well, first of all, if you, if you take the philosophy that uh, your company is made up of the individual members, and as I referred before, uh, that uh, the rising tide raises all the boats, if you have people building their personal brand and talk about how they've helped other customers in the past, it, uh, it, it doesn't really make a big difference if you change the company's brand. And having been in small business and advised a lot of them, I've changed, <laughs> changed businesses any number of times within the same company. So been there and done that, and I certainly do appreciate it. It does happen because one of the beauties is you're adapting to changes in the marketplace, and that flexibility mm-hmm. is, is, is a joy. And that could be one of the things that you're promoting as, as your brand, your flexibility. So uh, you can sort of turn that to your advantage. And uh, I think if you just start with the basics and make sure your people present themselves well, uh, the corporate brand will be improved as a group. Phil, let me ask you a question. What if you hire people and you don't realize they have really nasty social presence, uh, stuff that, uh, you know, we don't know that how many bottles of, of cheap scotch they have in the garage or what parties they went to last Halloween and, and what they did and, and to whom, blah, blah, blah. What do you do? Do you still say you're a valued employee and will help you clean up your social profile? Do you have them go to court and get a name change and erase everything in their past? <laughs> how, how do you, seriously, what if you hire somebody who's brilliant, but they've got a shady social past? They've got a kid, teeny bopper type of a past where they did some crazy stuff and it reflects badly on your company, but you are confident they are going to be the greatest salesperson or greatest marketing director ever. What do you do? I think you actually help them with the remediation and the coaching. And um, the uh, the thing about media, and you can get into politics. I'm not picking on any on any candidates or any other. I knew we'd go there, and I almost I almost dipped my I toe in that pond too. But the thing no. is, the short. What I wanted to say though is that uh, the public's memory is very short term. And uh, if uh, if you uh, did something bad in college, and it's 20 years out of college. It'll still be there, but no one's really going to pay that much attention to it because I think we all are aware of it, and I think we're all overreacting because it's still there. But if you start pointing out the good things you've done in the last five years and uh, don't mention the old things, uh, people will tend to uh, forgive you for that. So I would say that you know, start fresh and build 
you know, build on that, I think people are a little bit more forgiving. Uh, it'd be probably hard for a person with a really bad reputation like that to get that first job to give them a chance. But what happens if someone got fired from a job? Or um, I'll give you the best mm-hmm. example. When I'm uh, looking at startup ventures, when I was in the uh, venture capital business, I would never, never really have that much trust in someone who hadn't failed once or twice because uh-huh. people learn from their mistakes more than they do from their successes. And, you are uh, very wise. So I would say that uh, uh, I would give the, uh, and this is my personal opinion, but I would give the, uh, the person who might have been a little wild in college but has settled down, I'd give them, pretty, I'd give them a fair shot. Uh, I'd also be more likely to want to invite them to the company parties because things get a little dull at the software. <laughs> oh, Phil Lurie, you. Okay, that's why we love you on Game Changers. By the way, you were on a show with me last week, weren't you, on social selling, I think, which yes, is your your forte. Yeah, we got, it. we got to keep meeting like this, Phil. I appreciate that. You come to the party anytime. Virtual, but you can come. Okay, let's go around the table to Rob Levin. Rob, any thoughts on, uh, I think I opened a little bit of a can of worms, but it's certainly turning out to be very interesting with the question about what do you do with employees who have shady backgrounds or how, how do you make them clean them up? What do you think, Rob? Uh, well, I, I think, first of all, it's important to make a distinction. Did somebody make a mistake or something attributable to, uh, attributable to their youth? Or is their, is their social personality um, an indication of who they really are? Uh, mm. In which case... Um, you know, if you haven't hired the person, you may want to think about it. And I understand there there might be some laws, state by state, on whether or not you can use social media. But um, anyway, uh, if you have somebody, it might be an indication. I mean, uh, and that that's really important because at the end of the day, in my experience of running s- several different businesses in a lot of different industries, uh, I, even if somebody's really talented, if they're not a nice person. Uh, and I don't mean somebody who's being aggressive in the marketplace. I'm talking about if they're just really not a nice person, they're not going to fit in with the culture of my company. So social might be an indication. I appreciate that very much. Thank you very much. And uh, you know what? I'm going to, let's see what time. we got five minutes left, not a lot, before we move into our crystal ball predictions round. So, Tara, if you'll forgive me for not circling back to you on this one, I think we've had a good discussion. I want to pick up a couple of things from, I have some wonderful, Phil, you almost sent me taglines here. I I have a couple of them that I think are worth, like I used to say, or I still say, crocheting on a pillow or putting on the side of a bridge on the train because these are really good. Phil, may I read a couple of these Bun Mo words of wisdom from your list? Are you all right with that? Thank you. Okay, yeah. I think those uh, are originals, my, actually. You don't have to I, distribute them. I, I exp- I expect nothing less, Mr. Lurie. It is frequently said that your LinkedIn profile is your 21st century business card, but I think that's just the start. That's one from Phil Lurie. Here's another one. A company is known by the people it keeps. Is a turn or a twist on the old saw. Those of you who don't know what an old saw is, it's an old saying suggesting that you are perceived by the pals you hang out with. That's another one. Here's another one. Some senior managers, this goes back to our comment with we just talked about with Tara and everybody. Some senior managers fear that helping their team members build better social profiles will help those team members find better jobs. Ooh, Phil, why don't you pick one? Which one would you like to talk about? I'll talk about the last one because my okay. short-term memory. <laughs> so sorry. Um, actually, um, I, I wrestled with that as I, as I rolled out a big program uh, to a, a massive sales force. 
And, uh, you know, would senior management think that we're helping people? You know, LinkedIn was originally perceived as a job hunting site. And uh, what we're mm-hmm. doing is converting people to uh, have their or helping people convert their uh, resumes to professional profiles. And uh, that's like, well, we're helping to outsource our, our force. And uh, my answer to management was, uh, your best price and best are going to leave anyway unless you create an environment where they're encouraged to be even better. And I was very pleasantly surprised that management caught on very quickly, and I've had no pushback uh, from senior management about that after the initial conversations. So uh, I, I very strongly feel that uh, you know you've got to create a good environment, and uh, people can you know people can leave if they're going to leave if you don't, and you're more likely to lose them to um, stifling them than uh, giving them more opportunities to improve themselves. People are going to leave anyway, and if you can't create opportunities for the brightest and the best, they will find other positions. But uh, from my experience working with the big accounting firms, they felt that uh, people who left their firms became friends for life if they were treated properly, and they beca- your pe- former employees become your future customers. So I would say uh, don't worry about doing the right thing. It always works out in the end. Very interesting. I appreciate that. And I want to get, whoa, we've got, yeah, two minutes. You know what? I'm going to say thank you to that. And Rob Levin, let's get your two cents on that. Senior managers, should you fear helping your employees get better profiles and create better better personal and professional branding for them? What do you think? Agree or disagree with Phil Lurie, please? I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine anybody disagreeing. I, I look at part of my role as CEO is is helping everybody that works for me to to, uh, to 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 continue to develop better. I mean, training, uh, advice, whatever it might be. I, I think that's part of our role as a business leader, no question. And as a former Big Six accountant, uh, yeah, that was a big thing. They're, the alumni network is uh, is gold for those firms. Thank you very much. Yes, I know it is. And let's talk to Tara. Tara Mead, any thoughts on this? Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, it's okay to help you. Absolutely. Your, yeah. You know. Employee advocacy, whether they're in the company or not, is you know is a is a is a huge um, you know bank balance for companies. And you know by giving um, employees the skills and the confidence, um, by you know training them on on making sure that they have a good personal um, profile out there, will as you say, if if they're going to stay, they'll stay, and if they're going to go, they're going to go. But they'll go you know with it with a with being an advocate, and then we'll continue that on with their new company. So it can only be a win-win. Thank you very much. I'm going to wrap up this part with another bonmo from Phil Lurie. He says, people buy from people, not companies. Establishing trust is critical. And this goes back to the quote, I believe, from Jack Daly. Yes, that Rob Levin shared with us in the beginning of the show at the opening. Let me find it again. And the quote was, selling is the transfer of trust. So I think we've come full circle. Guess what? We have come full circle. And speaking of circle, there's a crystal ball in your future, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to ask Rob Levin to be the first to peer into the crystal ball. And Rob, I like the year 2020. I think I told you on our prep call when we met that I can't get the sound of Barbara Walters' voice out of my ear. 2020. But you can pick any time before or after that. And what do you think will change about our topic if we met again at that point in the future, Rob? And the topic, again, is the human connection, emphasizing the social and social media. Rob Levin, I'm going to give you a whole 60 seconds. Please share your prediction. Yeah, I'm going to broaden it a little bit. Uh, so, you know, looking ahead to, to 2020 or so, 
I think that companies that are going to win are not going to be the companies with the cheapest product uh, or even the best products. They're going to be the products, uh, the companies, first and foremost, to have a, a superior customer experience. And that is very related to our topic today because customer experience includes trust. It includes that feeling that somebody gets when, when they mention your company. Is it a positive feeling because the interaction with that company is so strong? I always tell my people that um, you know, we're, we're judged not only on the, on the work we do when we get great reviews from our clients, but in how we are to work with. And part of that is, do they have that trust with us? Uh, are we easy to work with? I think that's going to be a huge, one of the two main factors in which companies are going to win and have better margins if you look ahead three or four years. Very interesting. Thank you. I'm just going to do a sidebar here. I have a personal radio show on a different channel Monday nights, and I interview mostly new authors who are self-published. And it shocks and amazes me that they're out there trying to connect with the media, and many of them have very poor websites, very poor social presence. They can't put a one-sheet together. They don't know how to represent themselves. And it's just, uh, Phil will understand this word, it's a Shonda that they're out there trying to sell books and become thought leaders, and they don't have the basics. So in that case, in a sense, they're a company of one. Would you agree with that, Phil? They're representing their own brand as an author, yes? Absolutely. And Absolutely. And agreed. Tough, tough field. Tara Mead, 60 seconds. Predictions, what do you have to say? Well, just before we came on air, Bonnie, today in 2016, I, I Googled social media training, and it came up with 239 million hits. And I just wow. wonder if this show went out in 2020, how many hits we would have. That, you know, 239 million now, that, you know, social media and this, this you know, emphasizing the the human aspect is, is not going to go away. And I just wonder what new platforms and new ways we will find to, um, to work together and communicate um, in, the, uh, in, the, in the coming years. I think it's a very exciting time to be, to be in industry and to be, to be part of this. And, and I look forward to uh, the journey. Thank you very much. That was interesting. 239 million hits when you search for social media training on Google. That's wow. right. That's right. Wow. That just became a tweet talking about social media. There we are. We love facts and figures. Tara, such a pleasure. Phil Lurie, I saved, I won't say I saved the best for last. You're all great. But Phil, I know you have something interesting to add. What's your prediction? Well, I'm, I can tell you right now, based on what Tara said, I'm not going to be in the social selling consulting business uh, in 2020. <laughs> not, not with that much competition. <laughs> Uh, what I think is going to be happening probably in that time frame is uh, that, that uh, social media and social selling will have evolved to uh, a much later level. The thing is, the, the constant, I can tell you, that sales has always been a matter of the trust, as Rob pointed out from the beginning of this call. And I think that will stay, uh, stay true. But the way you deliver that trust and uh, present yourself will be changing. I'm, I'm, I had predicted uh, earlier that uh, in one of our earlier shows that LinkedIn would be evolving significantly, and now it's been acquired by Microsoft. So I, I would expect it's going to be more fully integrated into what we're seeing in CRM packages and Outlook and mail packages. You're going to see social in information more tightly coupled into other tools. So I think that's part of it. But I'm also seeing that uh, there will be a whole new, different way of reaching uh, customers. Uh, we haven't seen much about social selling from, 
from Facebook just a little bit, but you're not mm-hmm. seeing Facebook professional. I think we'll see that by 2020 in three years. Years. Interesting. Thank, thank you all. I'm, I'm reflecting on my own participation in social. You know, I tweet about 25 times during each live show. I maintain a reasonable LinkedIn profile, but I really am very reluctant to engage a lot on Facebook these days. I'm, I'm thinking of the brand, of what I represent, of Game Changers Radio, of my employer SAP, and I've, I've cooled it. I really, I, I read, I like, I hit like, I put smileys on people's posts, but I don't say too much. I, I think, uh, Phil, you think that's a, a maturity sign? Am I finally growing up? What do you think, Phil? I do. I think also uh, <laughs> what's happened is that Facebook has gotten a lot nastier and uh, yeah. you know, a lot of political rants. And yep. uh, someone uh, posted something that was very intelligent, which I'll share with everyone, is that uh, how, many, how many people do you think you've actually convinced by ranting? Probably Ooh. zero. Ooh, so good it's, point. It's, it's good a waste point. of time to try to convince people to change their religion or their politics. There uh, you go, especially in this very rife and ripe political climate here around the world, I will say. I want to thank Rob Levin. Rob, such a pleasure to meet you. Tara Mead, we've been emailing through Lorraine Maurice for how long now on this show, on this series? And it's a pleasure to have you on as a panelist, long overdue. And Phil Lurie, what can I say? Twice in two weeks, we've got to get you back more often. Appreciate all of your words of wisdom. Shout out to Lorraine Maurice, who has been tweeting. Thank you, Lorraine. And we see some tweets from 11411 here in RLSL Media. Uh, I think Phil Lurie's tweeting as well. So thank you to everyone. Shout out to Michael and the business team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. You know what it is. Fasten your seatbelt, even if you're not in a car. Fasten it anyway for life. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.